Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a lie detector test, moving the needle no matter what. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about lies. Why do we lie? And uh, what, what is it for? How do we do it? And how is it related to typology? I think there are some interesting things to break down, because I've been talking to some friends on Twitter, and we've got some data to kind of call through and talk about here on Dopamine. So let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Hope you're doing okay. Uh, it's been a little while since I recorded it on my desktop, so it's going to sound a little different. Um, and we're kind of workshopping a slightly different thing today. I actually did some research for this one. <laughs> I mean, I've done research for all of them, but this is actually, um, I'm kind of playing with the idea of doing more social case studies. I've got a lot of access to people on Twitter who are typology type of people or people who are really interested in psychology. Uh, so they're really starting to, to collect some fans on YouTube and Facebook and kind of a little bit all over the place. So I'm having more access to people that I can ask direct questions to. So I think that creates uh, an interesting opportunity to, yeah, to be able to, I had to <laughs> check my microphone. Uh, it creates an interesting opportunity to be able to ask questions of people to kind of dive deep and see where some of the patterns lie in people's behaviors. So I thought I would go ahead and ask some people on Twitter of which situations are they most likely to lie and why, and then state their personality type. Because the reason I'm doing this with people on Twitter is that they've known their personality type for a little while. And so that kind of helps me confirm you know, without having to do type sessions and stuff like, you know, whether or not someone's actually a personality type and how it relates to some of their behavior. So, uh, you know, grain of salt. I'm not a psychologist. This is just me doing kind of like my own sort of testing or whatever, but I think it's an interesting way to, to try this and, and see where it goes. So before we dive into all of that, I want to let you know that if you go into the description, there's a link to our email sign up. So if you are learning typology for the first time, like we're going to take this easy. We're going to do some sort of beginner explanations and then a little bit of an advanced explanation. But if you want to follow along, you can go sign up for our email list. And that is where you can learn a little bit about typology and figure out how you can get involved in this. And, um, and also kind of just follow along with more of what I'm saying so I can speak a little more fluently about it. But, you know, I'm always working on ways to make sure that more and more people are kind of messing with the game. So sorry about that. That more and more people are able to, you know, track with it and to know what I'm saying. Because I want to be able to dive deeper into some interesting topics, all related to mental health in some way or another. So uh, let's get into this. Like, I, I've really... So I went into this 
thinking I had a general theory about, you know, lying and why people might lie in certain situations and, and why they would or would not lie in a certain situation, um, all related on person to personality types. Basically, the general theory that I had was that thinkers are more likely to lie about emotional things and feelers are more likely to lie about analytical and data focused things. And the data basically shows that to be true. <laughs> so I asked the question on Twitter and I'm not going to reference anyone's names or anything like that. So, cause I don't want to stop anyone from giving me information and helping me out. Um, but I'm basically just looking for the patterns in between everything. So I was able to get information from an ESTJ, an ISTJ, INTJ, uh, a couple INFJs, a couple INTPs, and um, an ESTP. And uh, I think that's basically it. About seven or eight types, I believe, that I got some information from that, if I can remember correctly, I believe that's all of them. So, but the general notion is that thinkers are more likely to lie about emotional things and, and feelers are more likely to lie about information. Now, that gets a little bit tricky as well, because what do you consider lying? You know, some people don't consider withholding information to be lying. But for the sake of this discussion, we're going to count that. And I think that's true. Because I, I kind of did that when I was a kid too. I kind of withheld information and I was like, well, I didn't lie about it. I just didn't say it. <laughs> that's still lying. And that's that's okay. What's really interesting about all of this too, and by the end of this, we're going to kind of analyze a little bit of the interpretation of lying. Because we, we hear lying and we're like, oh no, that's something only a bad person does. And that's not true either. Most people lie to protect someone's feelings or integrity. And that's interesting too, because thinkers and feelers are still protecting the same thing. They're still protecting someone's emotions somewhere, right? So for instance, with me, I will protect Molly's emotions for different reasons. Like I will protect her emotions so that I don't have to deal with her emotions <laughs> as a thinker. And that's usually how that is. A lot of the time, uh, a thinker will sort of, uh, withhold information, withhold their own personal truth or their honesty or some information that they have in favor of, 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 um, protecting the other person's emotions so that we don't have to deal with the, the, pushback basically. So in a case where maybe I'm making breakfast and I only make myself something, let's say I make myself like a, like egg on toast or something. And Molly will then point out that I didn't make her something instead of me saying, well, I didn't want to, I would just be like, well, let me make you one real quick. And, um, you know, just kind of play it off. Like I was meaning to do that the entire time. <laughs> but if I were to be honest and be direct and say like, I didn't really feel like it. I didn't want to make you something. I didn't want to do the extra work. Uh, that would be, uh, that would not sit very well. <laughs> that would not go well. And uh, so it's just kind of better for me to react and, and to sort of be proactive about that instead of, um, instead of just kind of telling my truth, which is that I didn't want to do it. And I think that happens most of the time. I think a lot of INTPs or uh, TI users, people, INTPs or ISTPs, uh, thinkers, are more likely to withhold that information uh, uh, 
you know, to, to not have to deal with the emotions. Some younger versions of those types of those thinker types will more likely just say what they mean and get themselves in trouble for that as well. And then they get backlash and they're like, why are you upset about that? That's just true. And, uh, that, that becomes a tricky battle because one would think that being honest and being completely just thinkery and truthful is like the path to go and to not lie about anything. Why would you like, it's not quote unquote good to lie, but to lie about, uh, this situation where, you know, I'm not being completely a hundred percent honest and I don't need to, uh, in order to kind of satisfy the need, satisfy my partner's emotional need and all of that stuff. Like everyone walks away happy. So it's like another thing where you are aware of like how the tool is used. You know, you could lie for your own personal manipulation and gain, which is usually the interpretation of lying. Most people are thinking that if you're going to lie about something, you're trying to get away with something. When in effect, a lot of the time someone is lying about something in service of protecting a part of themselves or protecting the other person's emotions in some sense, or at least that's the intent. So what's really interesting is that feelers, for example, will often say or often have said or have said in my my little study here that the attempt at fail at lying was to protect the other person's emotions, but genuinely, uh, or to protect the vibe of the conversation, just to kind of keep things going, to keep everyone happy. And usually it's just to keep everyone happy. It's like, I don't want to either. I don't want to explain the depth of my own emotional experience in this moment, or I don't want to have to explain how, what I genuinely think about this, because then it's going to make you upset and it doesn't really matter because then we're going to be fighting. It's going to hurt someone's feelings and it's going to get complicated and messy and it doesn't really need to. So what's the point? So you just kind of skip over some things. And again, I don't think that's a situation where it's necessarily bad. You know, if uh, someone is trying to keep the vibe of a conversation going and you're going to just say like, hey, this little piece of data like if I'm, so one person, for example, said that they don't feel like they should share some details about a story that are not relevant to the whole of the story, to the emotion, the impact of the story. So they may even embellish some of the language that they used or what was said or what actually happened in favor of making the story maybe more interesting or more connective. And that is, you know, the, the goal of that is to keep connecting and vibing with the person in front of you. They don't feel like the details matter all that much. And again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, you're trying to kind of keep everything going. But if you're doing that as a feeler and ignoring, you know, thinker details, uh, data and little details that are important for your expression of what you want, you know, it depends to the depends on the degree as to whether or not that's something that's going to impact, um, your, you know, the conversation or your life at large, you know, there's a difference between being a, uh, sorting, of letting people walk all over you versus just protecting, protecting a short interaction and just saying, eh, it's fine. It's no big deal. Right. And just letting it be what it is. Like there's, there's a difference between that sort of thing. So, um, so at its core, 
and I'm trying to keep this simple. I could go into more complex details and I will, um, when it comes to like functions and stuff like that. But for those who are fairly new to personality types, I think the, the idea of thinker and feeler is pretty commonly understood that you're more data focused if you're a thinker and a little bit more emotionally focused if you're a feeler. So, you know, I think that stands pretty much true that we're going to use, if I'm a thinker, I'm going to use my thinking to protect my emotions because I'm not good at handling emotions as much as I'm good at handling thinking. So again, I'm going to maybe, uh, manipulate or manipulates got such a negative connotation to it that I don't want to use that, but it's, uh, you know, withhold information most likely to make sure that the other person doesn't feel bad. So I don't have to deal with them feeling bad. And a feeler is going to withhold, you know, perhaps some of their genuine feelings about something and, or thoughts about something, their individuality about something in favor of, keeping the vibe going or not having to explain the details of how they feel about something, what they genuinely uh, personally feel about it. Uh, Cause that, that again, in their mind gets a little bit messy. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and start jumping into a little bit more of the advanced conversation around uh, functions. Cause that was most of the data that I ended up getting from people was sort of an explanation of someone's situation and being able to discern what they were protecting. So for those that understand a little bit more about type, if you think about uh, the cognitive functions in the sort of forefront of your mind, the the decision-making, everybody's got a decision-making style and everyone's got a learning style. The decision-making styles are thinking and feeling. And there are two different kinds of thinking and feeling. Uh, there's an introverted feeling or thinking, and there's an extroverted thinking or feeling. And, you know, each person has a different type of that. So, and, th and they, they come in pairs, basically. They're called dichotomies. So in this case, we're only talking about decision-making because the learning style doesn't really show up when it comes to lying. We're just basically projecting our decision-making. We're making a decision to lie about something. So it is inherently a decision-making process. And for extroverted feeling, for example, uh, people really care about, those are for the FJs <clears throat> who have F extroverted feeling in sort of like the, the front of their stack. And they'll have introverted thinking in the back of their stack. Like I said, feeling is their dominant driver. And then thinking is going to be their secondary sort of decision-making process. So at the end of the day, what basically happens is that someone who has feeling in the front and thinking in the back or vice versa, thinking in the front and feeling in the back, I would call that, you know, your primary decision-making function and your secondary decision-making function. The primary decision-making function is going to protect the second, the secondary decision-making function, basically trying to make it so that the second decision-making function doesn't have to do as much work. So like I said, in my case, where I'm using my thinking to choose whether or not to withhold certain information or something that's honest to me, I'm not lying, quote unquote, or it's not perceived to myself as lying by not saying the information. I'm not lying to myself and making something up. I am just not saying what I, you know, honestly think in that situation and protecting my feeling side, my extroverted feeling side by 
making sure that, you know, she doesn't know that I don't want to make the thing. And instead I decide to just make the thing so that it's not a back and forth and it doesn't become a bigger emotional thing because I'm not good at handling the emotional situation. The opposite would be true that if you are an extroverted feeler, for example, and you want to protect the harmony of the situation of the, of the group, and you're having conversations with somebody, you're not going to talk about as many details that are important specifically to you because in your mind, it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't matter for you to share all of those little details about what's important to you because you just want to keep the vibe going. It doesn't matter. Essentially, you're just keeping everything going and making sure everything's okay. So <clears throat> there's an example for an extroverted thinker who has thinking in their dominant front seat, basically their, their primary decision-making function and the secondary decision-making function is introverted feeling. So this is the TJs, INTJs, ENTJs, ISTJs, and ESTJs. These types are based on what I saw are going to use their decision-making function of extroverted thinking like first and foremost. And if they can think of something to do with that, they'll use that. But if they know, they will only rely on their introverted feeling if that's what's left over, if that's the only thing that they have going for them. Um, so in this case, basically, uh, there's someone who told me that she uh, was asked by her partner to keep the garage door open or, or to close the garage door at the end of the night, rather. Sorry about that. And it's important for her partner that that's done. It's a matter of security. It's just kind of like a thing you do at the end of the night. And she said that when it's a failure, when it feels like something she was supposed to do but didn't do, which for an extroverted thinker, they kind of think and pass fail, you know, I did the thing or I didn't do the thing, that if the failure comes into play, then that kind of accesses the feeling side of them. So the feeling side of them then gets kind of activated. And the, the thinking side is like, okay, what can we do to make sure that this doesn't become a feeler situation? What can we do to make sure that we fix this? And she said that she won't tell her husband that, that that, that was the case, that she forgot. She will just wake up early in the morning and do it. <laughs> if she forgot, if she remembered before he got a chance to go see it, that she will go do it before he gets a chance to see it and basically fixes it and fixes the problem. So it doesn't become more of an emotional thing for her. So she doesn't feel like she let her partner down. She disappointed him. And, uh, you know, she wants to make sure that she is, you know, doing what she needed to do. And that's important for an extroverted thinker to do. The TJs are going to be doing what they need to do and what they're supposed to do, uh, what they feel like they're supposed to do and what's important to them. And if they don't do that, there's a sense of shame, a sense of failure. I mean, all of us feel a sense of shame one way or another. Um, but a lot of this, interestingly enough, when it comes to either side, you know, thinkers using uh, their thinker side to avoid feelings or feelers avoiding the thinker side is to make sure that they are basically avoiding a sense of shame or embarrassment and trying to find their best way out of it using their main function. And sometimes that means lying. That means, you know, kind of delaying uh, a reaction or making sure the other person, it's just, it's this assumption. The other person doesn't need to know. 
but the other person doesn't need to know based on basically an assumption, the assumption that someone's going to react a certain way. So I'm not going to deal with that. I don't need to bother with that. It's going to become too messy. It's going to become too complicated. It's going to become too much. So um, what's really interesting also is, so another thinker example, an ESTP said that he used uh, extroverted feeling in situations where he would lie basically about how, what he thought about someone as an attempt to try to sleep with them. (laughs) And he would lie about emotional things, uh, to try to basically get in their pants and, uh, just sort of like, you know, sort of change the truth in order to get what he wanted. Um, and if he is in control of the truth, then he can control the emotional reactions. If he went up to someone and basically was blunt about what he wanted and was very direct, then he's going to have to deal with the emotional backlash of the truth. So that's a situation again, whereas if, if he was just saying exactly what his honest truth was, which is his dominant thinker function of introverted thinking, he would have to be dealing with the emotional reaction to that truth. So instead of telling the truth, he would tell a lie to have to better manage how to deal with the emotional reactions to basically control which emotional reactions are coming his way. So uh, let me try to see if I can think of another feeler example. So uh, ENFPs, I got a couple ENFPs and ENFPs would um, basically have this response of introverted, their introverted feeling is, is sort of an internal feeling process. Um, what's important to them, what's integrity, you know, in, integral for them, what's, what's important to them. Um, and, uh, you know, you can look at it as like personal moral compass, but it's a little bit more about like the personal stories that we tell ourselves and for INFPs and ENFPs, the emotional process internally is not as much linked to language. The, the process of converting an emotion into a thought is a lot of work for an FP of any kind. So that's why some of the, you'll, you'll kind of notice more like INFPs in particular will kind of be slow in their speech or ISFPs will take a little bit of time to sort of put how they're feeling into words. You can almost see them feeling it first and then translating it into language. Um, and you know, the more elegant over time that they become with that, it becomes a little bit more, a little easier, but you know, they're not going to be talking their heads off like I might <laughs> or an ENTP or something, for example, even an ENP, ENFP will be, can sometimes be a little quote unquote all over the place, but uh, their emotional expression is going to be a lot slower and it's going to take some time. So that means that if they're in a situation where someone's asking them to express themselves or to explain how they feel about something, there's a little bit of a shutdown and the, the FP, the, the FI user, the introverted feeling user is going to be more likely to tell a lie or withhold some of what they feel, which we equate to telling a lie, but they're most likely going to tell like they're more likely to withhold how they feel so that they don't have to fully explain how they feel. So it's like the same situation that if Molly wanted to make breakfast for herself and not make breakfast for me, that if she were to tell me that she doesn't feel like it, like it's not important, an important value for her to make breakfast for me or something, then, you know, that might make me upset. 
And for her, that is trying to protect, also trying to protect someone's emotions and to probably have to avoid having to do something about it. <laughs> so, you know, if there is an expression of, of the emotional experience, there's probably, there's always a, uh, a, a do aspect associated on the other side because they have extroverted feeling as part of that polarity. So in a sense that if introverted feeling is wanting to feel something and has basically determined that they like or don't like something, or they have something more complex when it comes to their emotional experience, which usually they do having to explain it in words is just a lot of work and often feels unnecessary like, why do I have to explain it to you kind of thing? So often there's a very selective process of what to share and what not to share so that they can basically control what it is that they explain to someone and then consequently what they have to do about that emotional experience. Because often uh, if, if somebody were to tell me, for example, like what their emotions are, my instinct as a TI user is like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you try that? Why don't you do that? And then an FP user is like, I don't want to do all those things. Stop telling me to do all those things. Uh, in a sense that their compulsion, the extroverted attitude of decision-making compulsion is to like do something in the, you know, in the moment, whether that's thinking or feeling. So it's like with me, if somebody tells me how they feel, my immediate reaction is to want to fix it. And if they say, if an FI user says what they feel and someone else reacts to it, they feel like they have to do something about it. So that's basically how that polarity works out. In other ways, more directly about information. So if you look at an FP, a feeler of any kind, and basically feelers feel as though information is more malleable. Like they can lie about information because they don't have as much integrity with information. You know, for me, I have a ton of integrity with information. Information is way more important than emotions to me. So if something is true, I would rather say that it's true than to lie about it. Unless the thing that I'm going to say that's true is going to lead to someone being emotional, then I'm more likely to lie. Vice versa is true. That if something that I'm going to say about my emotional state is going to lead to having to explain information about something that I will lie about what my feelings are. That's what a lot of people are doing. That's why people lie about things. <laughs> so I think that's really, really interesting to think about. So if you, if you think about it as, um, you know, you can, you can keep it on that similar basic plane that thinkers are going to you, actually, you know what? you can think about it as like a ping pong effect. You know, you're trying to avoid the opposite polarity coming back at you so that you're not going to be forced into the less elegant side of yourself. So if, you know, if I'm a thinker again, I'm going to sort of consider someone else's emotions or consider how my information is going to impact someone so that the, emotions don't come flying back at me. And then I have to deal with it with the emotional side of myself instead of managing and controlling the situation so that my, in, my thinking is still in control. So that kind of brings up an interesting dilemma when it comes to the sort of morality around lying. Is it really bad to lie? And I think there are, there's something to think about here because I mean, so many of us, so like we probably lie way more than we're aware of. We're probably lying about innocuous little details in our day because they're not important. 
or we feel it's not important. It doesn't matter. And like, is that really lying in the like sinful sense in like the immoral sense? I personally don't think so. I think if you're having a dinner party and someone is, um, they put out hors d'oeuvres and you know, let's say you're an FJ and someone put out hors d'oeuvres and you're tasting it and it tastes like garbage. You don't like it at all, but you taste it and you're like, well, I could tell them it tastes like garbage. And then if they are, you know, invested in this, they could be, that could make them feel bad. It could ruin the party. It could make them upset with me. It could like, you know, cascade effect. It could lead to all of these different, uh, cataclysm of failures and this cascading of failures and it could really ruin the night. So, you know what? It's so much easier for me to just bite the bullet and just say like, you know what? It's fine. It's great. I think it's good. And it's not saying it's fine, but it's, you're, you're going to actively lie about it and say like, no, this is really good. Maybe you won't eat anymore, or maybe you'll shove it under the table and give it to the dog or something. But the idea is the other person doesn't know your personal truth. They don't know your information about it. They don't know how you, what you're thinking about it. So, you know, your honest opinion, basically. And that in a sense is in a, a feeler protecting people from their truth. Because then again, if somebody, if you were to tell someone how you honestly feel about something or what you think about something, then they're going to come back at you and probably start asking you more, either more details about like, so what do you think is bad about this? And you're like, I don't know the details about it. I just know it's bad. (laughs) But then, you know, that's going to again, cascade and create all these crazy failures and doesn't really help in that sense. So, uh, you know, I think that's really interesting to think about that, um, to consider how that's useful. I think we, you know, some of us, especially thinkers, we might think of a situation like that and be like, why can't you just tell the truth? Why can't you just be honest? Like no one's going to get hurt. Um, but you don't know that nobody knows that. (laughs) And it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's, I think that's the end of it is like, it doesn't matter. Just lying a little bit about like the way something tastes doesn't matter unless that person's going to keep making that hors d'oeuvre or there's something so terribly bad about it that other people are not going to enjoy it either. And actually, if you end up saying, not telling your truth, and then everyone else at the party doesn't like the thing, and you're the only one that likes the thing, that there's going to be pretty obvious that you're probably lying about it. (laughs) So there's tact, you know, it does take tact. But I don't think, I think I'm coming around to the understanding that lying is not necessarily inherently bad. Um, But I think lying is tied to development in some way. It's really kind of interesting. The more I've been like, diving down and thinking about it. My brain's been going in circles about um, thinking about it in relation to, to development. Because again, if for me as an INTP, if I just go around spitting my truth to everybody, then that's going to like hurt people unconsciously. And that's going to make me look like a jerk. And I'm never going to have, like, if I'm going to be constantly trying to avoid emotional situations by telling my truth and keeping people at bay, and then, basically that's going to backfire because everyone's going to be upset about my truth. If you're, you're, you're holding to your truth all the time, then that's not going to work out and vice versa. If you're not being honest about how you either, how you feel about something or, um, you're trying so hard to protect the vibe of the group 
that you would rather ignore how you honestly think or feel about it, that, you know, they're basically, you know, that person might making, you know, something as simple as like that person might continue making that hors d'oeuvre at the party. And you're like, oh, I got to go to the, the, the terrible hors d'oeuvre party where this person doesn't know how to cook. And, you know, or they may accidentally find you telling the truth to someone else. And then that, that becomes even worse. Right. So sometimes telling your truth in the situation is, is good. And I think while outright lying and withholding information isn't necessarily like a quote unquote good thing in every situation, I think there is a degree of tact when it comes to deciding which information is actually not important, not necessarily just to save your own ass, but which information is genuinely not important. Like it's, it's doesn't matter. It's not, it's not that you're assuming someone's going to react to you. So you're trying to withhold and protect someone's feelings. Cause I think just protecting someone's feelings is like not enough. Um, I think if it genuinely doesn't matter and you're going to go handle it and you're going to go fix it, then great. That's fine. So again, in a situation, so I think the difference is, and I'm kind of workshopping this out loud. So I apologize if this is all over the place, but basically I feel like if, you're able to identify the mistake, fix the mistake. And then, you know, in, in the process, you have to kind of lie in order to allow yourself the room and the time to go fix the mistake or to go fix the thing or to go make a choice, then I think that's okay. But if you're going to keep continuing to lie and continuing to not be honest and not be in integrity with who you are, then that's not actually helpful to any relationship in your life at all. So I think those little moments, like I said, those, that moment where like, if I just did make the decision to make breakfast for Molly anyway, and not tell her how I actually feel, but just fix the thing. Like, I think that's fine. I don't need to actually literally tell her or I can make a joke about it. Probably. <laughs> I think that's an active, uh, uh, you know, a valid replacement. If you have a partner, that's cool with that to, instead of outright not telling your partner how you feel, but to kind of make a joke about it, like, well, I didn't want to make you breakfast. And then you're just like, I'm, 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 I'm going to make you breakfast. It's fine. <laughs> so you just kind of, I don't know, you just roll with it. Um, I guess that depends on the situation. So, I mean, there's a lot more data that I gathered from the, uh, the Twitter thread itself. Um, I think, I'm hoping this is all coherent. I hope it all makes sense. But I think at the end of the day, to kind of simplify the theory is that basically your dominant decision-making function is going to protect the secondary decision-making function by whatever means necessary. However, if you are able to sort of work your personal sense of honesty into you know, a joke or some way to handle it, or if you can just fix it, then go fix it. That's okay. That's fine. But I think perpetual lying, perpetual manipulation, trying to use lying as a means to manipulate someone and get your way is not necessarily a good thing to do. So in the situation with the ESTP, who was basically sort of not telling the truth in order to sleep with women, like that could go real bad real quickly, right? That's considered, you know, some people would say that's kind of douchey behavior and I don't mean anything to the ESTP itself. I think he seems like a nice guy. Um, but that sort of, you know, the, the depends on how you use that and how often you use that for your own personal gain and how much that ends up hurting other people, right? Like 
if you end up sleeping with someone and using that and he ends up finding his wife that way or, ends up, you know, like, and you end up in like healthy relationships or like with a good partner or something like that, then like, Hey, that all worked out great. <laughs> but if that ends up in with like dire consequences and you're not thinking about how often you're using that, or you're like continuing to lie to people all the time, we're not learning from that lesson because he says that he hates lying now. Um, you know, a lot of us have to go through that process. So there was an episode that I put out recently about sort of the, the tales of a chronic manipulator. And I did that a lot. I manipulated my way to make sure that I was in control of the emotional situation so that I knew that I wasn't going to have to deal with someone's emotional reaction. Cause I was like, just totally like a deer in headlights when it came to people's emotions. Uh, but the further I get along, the more I integrate the uh, emotional side of myself to the thinker side of myself, the more I'm able to kind of bounce back and forth, I can make that adjustment. I can actually tell in the moment that, you know, Molly's going to be upset by this. So you know what? I should just fix it. I shouldn't continue to lie or I shouldn't make up a lie, which I think is far worse than withholding information for the sake of like maintaining a moment. Um, but that maybe that could just be me. <laughs> um, and protecting your own energy, which is totally valid as well, which is, a, a you know, I think all of that's totally fine. Um, I think, I think having to make something up and continue to make a story. So if I had to continue to make a story and say like, Oh, we don't have enough eggs. And then like Molly looks in the fridge and she's like, there's definitely eggs in there. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you know? Uh, so there has to be something linked to your d degree of integrity and honesty in the situation. Right. So I think that's why people feel better about withholding how they actually feel or think about it in a situation, because it's not, it doesn't feel like outright lying. Like I said, um, and I'm saying over and over again, because I think it's important. Um, so the, the kind of last example I wanted to share was, um, uh, was another ENFP example of, you know, feeler thinker dichotomy where, she was in a situation, she's in situations where a lot of people ask what she does for a living and having to explain what you do for a living can be informationally overwhelming for a feeler. You know, you might go into, you might have to over explain it or it might be too complicated or it might not be easy. So sometimes you simplify it into something that is like either interesting or doesn't feel like it warrants follow-up questions <laughs> and you just kind of pick something and you're just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a copywriter. Instead of saying like, I'm a coach that does this and this and this and this and this. And then people ask questions and it becomes a thing. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to share all this information with you. This is boring. Right. So you just say, I'm a copywriter and you just kind of try to move the conversation along. Right. Cause that's not what's important to you. And that's okay. I think that's fine. I think as long as, you know, being a copywriter is not something that's completely made up. Again, I think that's what we're kind of landing on is like, don't just make something up. That's, that's like, that's more of the manipulation that I think people are actively against versus choosing to say something more succinct or choosing to say something that, you know, deciding whether or not something is relevant. Cause part of the consideration is whether or not you want to expend your energy on something, you know, I think that decision to protect against uh, the usage of emotions is a protection of energy and the same thing the other way around, you know, it's a protection of your own energy. And I think, again, if you don't have the development to be able to handle certain levels of 
thinking when you're a feeler or vice versa, then, you know, by all means, continue to do so in a way that is helpful to you. I hope that makes sense because I think there is a line here. Um, and I, I think it's just interesting to think about because we just, I think we think about lying as just outright bad. Like you just shouldn't lie ever that way. And, and you know, we end up keeping our lies to ourselves when sometimes when you share a lie about something like a little lie in the future and you're just like, you know what? The first time I met you, I didn't really like the hors d'oeuvres and it just kind of becomes a connective piece. The closer that you get more intimate with someone, you're able to share more of those personal identity decisions and be honest and be connective about your, your experiences and just be like, yeah, that was not great. <laughs> um, I'm glad you've gotten better. And, uh, you know, that just becomes kind of a fun conversation at that point. So, uh, finding ways to not necessarily just continue to outright lie to just like do it perpetually, but moment to moment, if there's little things and you genuinely feel like it doesn't matter, and you have a way to maybe eventually check in with your partner to know if it doesn't matter. Like you can even present up a scenario to like your partner or friend or something like that and say like, do you care about this? Would you care if I say this? Do you want to know this information about me? Um, do you want to know this reaction from me? I think that's incredibly uh, important and interesting to to use as a connection tool as well. So I hope all of that made sense. I, I feel like in my head, it, the explanations of everything was a, were a little clearer, but um, you let me know if this makes any sense at all, or because <laughs> I feel like I kind of went around in circles. Um, but for those who are a little bit more layman to this, again, like I think the thinker side is going to protect having to deal with emotions and the feeler side is going to protect having to over explain details about something um, in terms of information or analytical data. Cause it just, to them, it doesn't matter. And to thinkers, emotions don't matter, but um, that's reductive because as you start to develop and you start to kind of connect the dots a little bit more, like I think feelers are going to get a little bit better about explaining things and thinkers are going to get a little bit better at expressing things. And uh, the goal is I think to kind of meet in the middle at some point. Um, and we all have different starting points. We're all different people. We're all different human beings. We all have different reasons to do what we do. And I think having patience for that, having patience for people who do that and to not necessarily continue to run with your lie if you're caught <laughs> and, and just kind of like, I don't know, make a joke out of it, play it off and try not to do anything that is genuinely manipulating. And I think you'll be fine. You know, that's like part of the human experience. And that's part of explaining all of this is that it's part of the human experience. We make assumptions. We, we make decisions about who we do or do not want to interact with to a certain capacity. We make decisions about what information or what emotions we want to share with someone. And that's valid. That's part of setting boundaries. So I think all of that is important to know. So not only that, but if you're someone who's doing personality typing, if you're doing like passive typing or something like that, which I'm going to be working on a course in, for that in the future, you can use this information to ask someone about this. Like what situation are you most likely to lie? Sort of drill down a little bit and, and ask them. Um, and, and you'll, you'll be very uh, surprised by how 
consistent that is. So again, the people that I actually interviewed or, or quote unquote interviewed, it was kind of an interview. I asked a couple questions to some people, but it was like less than 20 people. It's not a big study or anything. Um, I'm not an official psychologist of any kind, but I think this was really useful for me and hopefully useful for you to understand the ways in which people will lie and how lying is tied to emotions or tied to, um, the cognitive functions and the sort of personality experience, you know, again, thinker is going to protect against having to deal with more emotions than they want to. And feelers are going to protect against having to deal with more information than they want to. That's the long and short of it. You know, there are more details about functions like I tried to explain, but if you go check out that thread, I'll link it in the description. You can go check out some people's responses and sort of look at what I'm talking about. And if you legit have questions about it, you can respond to that thread. You can message me at let's go see note on all the social channels and I will happily talk to you about it. So hopefully that makes sense. I think that's a way of thinking about why we lie as people, as human beings. It's just sort of part of human nature in a way. And I think, I think resting into that and kind of accepting that as part of who we are is totally okay. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think understanding that may allow for us to like, you know, not take it so seriously depends on what people are lying about. But I think the little lies here and there is just like, Oh, okay. You were just trying to protect my emotions or you didn't want me to feel bad. I, I understand. That makes sense. That's cool. But know that I'm a person you can trust and you could tell me that that's okay. And that just makes the bond stronger. That's all that takes. That's all that is. You know, Molly can be like, well, if you don't feel like it, just tell me. Like I'll make my own breakfast. That's totally fine. It's cool. And you'll be surprised at how many people, you know, she might actually be lying about that, but who knows? Um, <laughs> but the best thing you could do is continue to keep asking each other questions, keep connecting and be honest with each other about your experiences when someone asks you. So if someone asks you and you quote unquote got caught and you continued to deny it, then that's not great. You begin the slippery slope of hurting the relationship. So a grain of salt with all of this, but you know, for me, I think that's going to help me in my life going forward and give me another area in which I can have more patience for people. And, uh, you know, another way to think about personality types, another way to profile people and to, I don't know, I'm probably going to watch catfish differently and all of these little trashy shows where people are doing like little white lies to each other. Cause you're just like, Oh, I see why you're doing that now. You feel like you're protecting that person or you're making an assumption that this person's going to react a certain way. And uh, this could go downhill real bad unless you don't fess up to it real quick. <laughs> so all of that said, um, yeah, I'm done talking. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for participating in the study. If you did, if you want to go be a part of some of the other questions that I ask, you can go to Let's Go C-Note on all the social channels, but mostly on Twitter. It's where I do a lot of talking. I kind of share little anecdotes and things that I come up with as I go along. Um, so we have a couple courses available. We just put out our finding and maintaining relationships for INTPs course. So if you're an INTP, go to uh, bit.ly slash INTP love, or you can go to dopamine.teachable.com and search for it there. And uh, I got some other things I'm working on as well. Um, I put out a survey recently for INTPs about uh, what topics they'd like to cover. And I think I'm going to do some course material and free material about improving productivity because I've been working for two decades on a lot of things. I get a lot of things done, 
and that's not been without its challenges. And there's a lot of interesting things I can talk about and share for INTPs, especially young INTPs who are trying to grow and develop and get more things done and make better decisions about what they want to do with their lives. So, um, I think that's it. Dopamine.life. Go check out the podcast and we, uh, you know, other episodes of the podcast. And we also have a Patreon where I just updated the tiers. So for, for the $1 tier, you can kind of join the community. We can ask a lot of questions. We can talk more in depth and I will definitely put your questions at the top of the list and you can make suggestions for topics for the show. Um, you know, and I can give you some support there as well. We also have a $25 tier, which is going to be more about type enthusiasts. So if you want to be involved in what I'm going to be calling movie night, it means if we get five patrons, I think five or 10, I don't remember what I put, but if we get five patrons, um, we're going to start doing a movie night once a month where we do passive typing together on a zoom call. And, um, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. So go ahead and consider that. And then there's a hundred dollar tier. If you're one of those baller types that really want to help out and support the show, there are some other perks for you there as well, including a free profiling session or coaching session with me, uh, once a month, basically to, uh, you know, to continue to support your personal development and growth and to support this channel and to support, you know, the continuing to make this material classes and courses to support mental health empowerment. So with all of that said, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for participating. Thank you for listening to my ramblings and me figuring it out on the air, which is usually what happens. And um, with all of that said, take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya.